If you've got your Bibles out, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. Uh, we're going to look at a familiar passage, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to verse 50. Luke 7, 36 to verse 50. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36, please hear this public reading of God's Word. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known what, who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one... I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven." For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So this is a wonderful passage of Scripture. I couldn't resist using it. This is one of the readings for today's Bible reading plan was Luke 7. So I just felt like I had to use this passage. I love this passage. So we have this Pharisee named Simon invites Jesus, and Jesus is reclining at table, and you have this woman who's a sinner. She comes into the middle of this group of self-righteous men, and Jesus, and she has clear love for Jesus. Now, the text says she was a sinner. It makes that clear a couple different times. Charles Spurgeon said this term sinner is not used in this text in the everyday sense of the term. It's used in the more vile, blacker, filthier sense of the term. This woman had very likely been a prostitute previously. And Spurgeon said she had sinned against the laws of purity. She had made herself as a defiled thing. She sinned and she made others to sin. Hers were offenses which provoked the Lord to stir up His wrath. So this is this woman's condition. She had been a prostitute. Now very likely, almost certainly, this woman had met Jesus prior to this occasion in Luke 7. One pastor said maybe she met Him like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. It's possible she had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus. We don't know because it's not recorded. But maybe, more likely, she met Jesus by hearing Him teach. She was maybe walking and she heard Jesus teaching somewhere and she was drawn into the words of Jesus. Remember in Luke chapter 5, Jesus said, I came to call the not the righteous but sinners to repentance so he didn't come for the righteous but for sinners and this woman is a sinner so Jesus came for sinners like this woman and he is teaching and this woman is drawn into the words of Jesus her heart is beginning to burn within her as she listens to Jesus speak and she realizes this is a man who's teaching as one who has authority 
And then Jesus started to talk about forgiveness of sins. And this woman who knows she's a sinner and had all this massive sin behind her, she had this little glimmer of hope begins to rise within her. And she thinks, can I be forgiven? Can a sinner such as I really be forgiven? And you can, I picture her squeezing through the crowd to get as close to Jesus as she can so she can soak on every word from Jesus. And then at some point in that conversation or in the preaching of Jesus, she is genuinely born again. All of her sins are are washed away. And can you imagine the joy that this woman must have had that day? I picture her leaping, racing home with joy, just exuberant joy flooding through her. Now, I love conversion stories. I love to hear the testimonies when new members join. It's one of my favorite things. And I love conversions in church history. And I read one recently that that I found powerful. I've been reading about George Whitfield great evangelist of the 18th century revival. Well, one of Whitfield's closest friends was a man named Howell Harris. Howell Harris ended up becoming a powerful preacher in the Welsh revival, but he did not grow up in a Christian home. And when his father died, when he was 17 years old, he sort of lost that fatherly influence in his life. And he said his life began to spiral out of control into all kinds of sin. So Howell Harris is down and down and down at all these sins. And at some point during this downward spiral, he was awakened to his sinful condition. He was awakened to the fact that he was under the wrath of God. And then in his words, he was ignorant, though, of the blood of Jesus. So he went through this period of agony, a long period of agony under the weight of his sin, not knowing how to get relief from his sins. And then all of a sudden that changed. He, be, he heard of the blood of Jesus and he was born again. Here's what he says about that day. I went home leaping for joy. I knew that my sins were forgiven. Oh, blessed day. Would that I might remember it gratefully evermore. Howell Harris literally was leaping for joy when his sins were forgiven. And I picture this woman just like Howell Harris. I picture her leaping for joy, racing home with joy. And some point after her conversion, she hears Jesus is reclining at table right now at Simon the Pharisee's house. And she knows where Simon the Pharisee's house is. And she's like, I've got to go there. And I've got to go there right now. She grabs her alabaster flask of ointment, probably the most costly possession that she owned. And she races to see Jesus. Why is she going to see Jesus? Because this woman loves Jesus so much, she wants to pour out her love and affection and gratitude for Jesus. Now, we must remember this would be take incredible courage for this woman to go into that setting. There would be self-righteous men all around. All these men know her past. They're going to look at her with utter contempt as she comes into that setting. But she, she does not care about their opinion of her. All she cares about is Jesus, and she wants to get to Jesus. And Jesus would not have been sitting at a table like we sit today. He would have been down probably on his elbow like this with his feet out to the side. And this woman comes into that scene and she stands behind Jesus. My guess, she's just planning to give this ointment to Jesus. But she stands there at Jesus' feet and she sees that his feet are dirty and filthy. And she realizes Simon hasn't even offered him the customary kindness to wash his feet. And the tears begin to to trickle down her face. And then Spurgeon said she began to recount her sins and she begins to think of her sins and the tears are flowing freely. But then she remembers that she has been forgiven and the tears are flowing like a river. And each one, Spurgeon said, was like a diamond dropping onto Jesus' feet and she didn't bring a towel. And so she does something utterly shocking. She lets down her hair, which would have been utterly and completely shocking in that time. And she begins to wipe his feet. She kisses his feet repeatedly. She gets out her ointment. She pours her ointment on Jesus. You see, this woman does not care what these men think about her. All she wants to do is to thank Jesus, to praise Jesus, to express her gratitude and her love for Jesus. Why does this woman love Jesus so much? Because she has been forgiven so much. One pastor said, great love for Jesus is the response of the heart to having been forgiven by the great grace of Jesus. Two questions as we come to confession. Number one would be, do we love Jesus like this woman 
loves Jesus. I'm not saying do we cry when we think about Jesus, but I'm saying do we have genuine affection for Jesus? Do we want to honor and praise and worship Jesus? And if not, if we don't have genuine affection for Jesus, why not? Why not? Like Mark said about uh, our new birth, has the new birth grown stale? If that's happened, maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't have this love for Jesus. Virgin said this, Oh, that our love might feed itself this day and find a renewal of its strength in remembering what sovereign grace has done. Do we ever feed ourselves and think about what sovereign grace has done? Do you, are we ever filled with amazement as we sit back down and we think about God's grace, about His patience in preserving us, and then His sovereign grace in interceding and rescuing us? Do we ever think about that? If we haven't dwelt on that, maybe that's a reason why our, our love for Christ has, has grown cold, or maybe we're clutching onto a sin or sins that we need to repent of and turn from because that sin has robbed us of communion with Jesus. The last thing I'll say is that my dad preached on this passage in 2017. At the end of his sermon, he asked this question. He said, if someone followed us around for the next 30 days, what conclusion would they come to from simple observation about whether or not I love Jesus? If someone had followed us around this past week and they had watched us publicly, they'd watched us privately, they'd watched us with our free time, they'd watched us interact with our spouse and our children, our roommates and coworkers, what would they have been able to see? Would they have been able to see genuine love for Jesus or not? So do we love Jesus like this woman? And if not, why not? I'll give you few moments to pray silently and I'll close this. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful passage in Luke chapter 7. I am so thankful that this passage is in the Bible. Thank you for this woman uh, that is recorded for us here. Thank you for her love and affection and gratitude and praise that she has for Jesus that is moving and inspiring. Father, as we think about our own lives, we must confess that there have been times when we have, our love has grown cold. There have been times where we have given in to sin or sins, so forgive us when we have clutched on to a sin or sins that we shouldn't have, that have robbed us of communion with Christ, that have zapped our love for you. I, I, I pray that we would turn from those sins and fight harder against those sins even this week, that we would put them to death by the Spirit. But we are so thankful that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Father, I, I would ask that you would give us all a greater love for Jesus. Give us a greater love and a greater affection for Jesus. I pray that love for Jesus would be showing up in the way that we live our lives, that other people would be able to see evidence of our love for Jesus on display. Father, even as we sing this next song, I pray you'd be honored by our worship and pray you'd use Mark in a powerful way today. I pray you'd help us to be attentive to the preaching of your word. And we'd ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.